We're going to go quickly through a passage of Scripture in Philippians, or Proverbs chapter 2 that really addresses this uh, topic of learning. As you're turning, I want you, I'm going to give you about 15 seconds to do it. I want you to think of one thing that you recently learned. What's something that you learned this week? Okay? Think of one thing. I'll give you about 15 seconds to do it. Now, it doesn't have to be some like amazing nugget of spiritual wisdom. All right? Just some random thing, whatever it is that you learned. Okay? You got it? Good. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to one person next to you, and I want you to tell them the thing you learned. They'll tell you the thing they learned, and I'll give you about 25 seconds to do it. Okay? Go. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a couple general assumptions, but the assumption I'm going to make is this, that what you probably shared with that person next to you is just a piece of information, a fact, something new that came to your mind that you acquired this week, some bit of information, some piece of advice, whatever it is, just a little shot of information that you gained or acquired. And I think when we think of learning, we often think of it as it relates to bits of information. For example, uh, this week I was in Nashville for a wedding, uh, performed the wedding, and while I was there, not only was it like 95 degrees at night and just sweltering heat, thank God for Spokane weather, (laughs) not in the winter, but just the summer, Um, but I did not know this, and you, you may be aware of this, but here's my bit of information that I learned this week. It is the year of the cicada. Okay, I didn't even know that they had a year. Okay, I, I didn't know anything about these bugs until I got down there. But these bugs, first of all, they're huge. Second of all, they're just loud, like an engine, roaring. And all of them, when they're like yelling or doing whatever they do all at once, it's just deafening. And so these bugs come out every 13 years. So they dig up from the ground, they wreak havoc for a year or for the summer, they like deposit eggs, cover over, and then 13 years later, they come up again. Crazy. Okay, that's my random fact. But when we think of information, when we think of learning, we often think of random facts like that. I recently came across a book uh, written by A.J. Jacobs, that's uh, The Year of Living Biblically. He also, by the way, great book, you should read it, it's hilarious. He writes a second book called The Know-It-All. And in The Know-It-All, what he attempts to do, it's his quest to become the smartest person in the world, he, he read the entire Encyclopedia Britannica, the 2002 edition, 33 volumes, or 33,000 pages, and uh, I think it's 44 million words that he read over a period of time and tell, talks about in this book his humorous journey of becoming the smartest person that ever lived. See, what happens, I think, when we talk about learning is we think about factual information. Details like, it's the year of the cicada, or details like, I learned something about someone this week. But learning, I'm going to propose, biblically speaking, is much different than that. That learning, when it comes to understanding something in the Scriptures, learning is about change. 
Change is implied in learning. It has to be a part of it. So we cannot truly state that we've learned something until change happens. We can say that our knowledge has increased, but we can't necessarily say that we've learned something. Stephen Covey puts it this way, to know but not to do is to not really know at all. Marvin Wilson, who's talking about, uh, he did a lot of studies in the Jewish people in Christ's day. It says this, To know God is to walk faithfully in His ways and to live out the terms of His covenant. It included both the internalizing of truth and its outworking in the affairs of life. In short, for the Hebrew or the Jewish person, to know or to understand or to learn was to do. It implied change. That's why often when we talk about this idea of learning, we talk about the idea that knowledge, some facts, some information, begins to change your belief. Your belief then begins to affect your attitudes, and then those attitudes begin to change your actions or your behavior. That's why the Bible communicates over and over by their fruit, by their actions, by their behavior, you will know what it is they believe. Right? Because you can always trace someone's learning, this process of learning, back to what it is they know, what it is they believe, and how it fleshes out in their life. Because learning is this process of not just gaining factual information, but seeing that factual information lived out in life. This idea was the idea we tried to capture when we wrote this value, this community value called learning. Here's uh, the definition the staff created several years back. It says this, Intentionally fostering a community that values discovery, cultivates a desire for growth, encourages one another to seek truth, and loves God with all our minds. We believe all knowledge, both secular and sacred, should be used to transform our lives, change our relationships, and relate the kingdom of God to the world. What you should see in this definition is a movement from gathering and acquiring, seeking, valuing truth and discovery, but not stopping there, seeing it move into transformed lives and changed relationships, and ultimately the expression of the kingdom of God lived out among us. That's what learning is about. The Bible happens to call this kind of learning wisdom. Hopefully you turn to Proverbs chapter 2. If you haven't, turn there now. Because wisdom is really knowledge applied. And what I want to do is look at this section of, uh, actually the whole chapter of Proverbs chapter 2. And just for the sake of time, we're not going to read through it because I'm going to spend a little bit of time walking through each of the the, uh, steps. But it's a very simple passage. What I love about this passage in Proverbs 2 is a whole book on wisdom. Solomon, being the wisest man, makes it really simple for not-so-wise people to acquire this information. So it's very simple. He does this. He gives an if statement, a then statement, and then a so statement. So it's a, it's a clause, essentially, where if this happens, if you do this, then this is the result, and so this will be the outcome. Okay? Very simple, very clean. We'll just go right through it. First, if... He says in this passage on three specific times, If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, if you call out for insight 
And third, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures. What Solomon is doing here to us, the reader, is he's making some value statements about learning. Value statements about wisdom. So if you receive my words, if you value them, if you take them into heart, if you acknowledge them, if you seek after them, if you value them as much as you value silver or treasures or something else that you put great value on. He makes these if statements. If this happens, we'll get to the then here in a moment. If you look over in Proverbs 4, he makes this statement. It will be on the screen as well. That the beginning of wisdom is this, to get wisdom. Whatever you do, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. The point Solomon is making in Proverbs 2, Proverbs 4, throughout much of Proverbs is this. Get wisdom. Pursue it. Seek it. Value the discovery. Chase after it. I mean, is that how you would be described as it relates to wisdom right now? Would you be defined as someone who's actually pursuing it? Who wants it? Who desires to acquire it? It's interesting, there's lots of times we pursue things. I was uh, flying back um, from Nashville and on the plane, I was a couple of seats away from this guy who decided to tell me about his recent uh, trip that he was on and he lost his wallet. He put it in like the little cushion or the little uh, place right in front of him, fell asleep, wakes up, it's not there. It's freaked out. What happened is it fell out and then he kicked it like four rows up. But he had everyone in the plane looking. He was telling me about it. He goes, I'm, I'm like going up and down. I've got stewardess coming. I'm hitting buttons. I'm like, like telling everybody around, like, help me find my wallet. Help me find my wallet. It's got everything in it. I need it. I was talking to a lady the same day who was telling me that she had lost her phone that, that day. Couldn't find it. Was looking everywhere for it. Frantic. If I can't find this. I mean, it's, it's interesting to me how many things in life we pursue. I mean, you could probably list in your mind several things right now that you're pursuing, that you want, that you desire to acquire. I remember one time I was um, at an amusement park and the kids were walking with me and and I had four and I turned around and then I had three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, first five seconds, I'm like, you know, they'll show up. Next five seconds, I'm like, well, maybe we should say their name, look around a little, you know. About five more seconds, ten more seconds after that, I'm like, I'm hunting them down. I can't, I got to find them. I'm pursuing them. I'm chasing after them. Is that what you do with wisdom? Is that what you do with wisdom? So this week, I've been asking myself, if we're supposed to pursue it, how do we do it? How do you pursue wisdom? How do you pursue wisdom? I'm going to suggest one thing. You ask for it. And you ask three separate things. Ready? You ask God, first of all. I don't want to minimize this at all. But I think we need to ask God. It's interesting. In the book of James, he says, you have not because you ask not. And then when he specifically talks about wisdom, he says that if any man lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. 
If you lack wisdom, ask God. I mean, sometimes I'm persuaded that that we don't ask because we think He's going to play this cosmic game with us. Like, oh, they really need wisdom. They don't have it. And they're going to ask me, and I'm not going to tell them. (laughs) I'm just going to let them try to figure it out on their own. I mean, He desires for us to have the wisdom. He desires for us to know what is right. And so, one idea would be to ask God. Another idea is to ask others. I think one of the warehouses of God's wisdom is the community of faith. That you are filled with the wisdom of God. And that wisdom needs to be passed on to one another. But I think we fail, out of pride most likely, to ask for wisdom. To ask for help. To say, I don't know what I'm doing with this. Can you help me? I mean, I I ask all the time. I have to ask hundreds of questions. I mean, there's not a a big financial decision that I make that I don't ask three, four, five different people. What would you do if you were me? How would you do it? I mean, some of the reason that I think the Church of America does not impact the world as greatly as it could is because it doesn't have resources to do it. And it doesn't have resources because instead of just buying something, they should have asked first. Ask a couple people. Is this good? Is this a good investment? Should I do this? Get wisdom. My daughter is uh, about to turn 12. I am asking anyone and everyone for advice. Right? I need it. I, I need advice. I need to know how to raise her well. I need to know how to... How do I navigate this period with her in which her and I grow closer in our relationship, not further apart? Well, how am I going to do it? I've got to ask people. I need input. I mean, the list goes on and on. Relationship advice. Information about my job. I mean, I'm always asking Rob... What do I do with this? I'm always asking the elders, what what should we do here? Let's pray about this. Third thing is, ask the Word. Dig into the text. I mean, this, dig into it. Full of wisdom. When I was young, I figured this out one time. I was about 15. The night before I had read my Bible, I got this information. I went, oh man, that's really, that's good. That's really helpful. The next day, I'm hanging out with some people. This about 30-year-old person asked, he goes, I don't know what to do with this situation. It was interesting the night before I had read about it. And I went, well, why don't you do this? And he's like, oh my goodness. I mean, I look like a genius for a moment. I had nothing to do with it, right? (laughs) Nothing to do with it. All I'm doing is this information changing me, it changes you. Ask. Ask the Word. Ask God. Ask others, ask the word. You want wisdom, pursue it and ask for it. All right? Second thing he says is this if you pursue it, if you seek it, if you want it, then this happens. There are two then statements. The then statements are this then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Second, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. I mean, these are pretty profound then statements. I mean, this is, 
then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is an interesting concept. I came across this little um, blurb about it. When either the Hebrew Bible or Christian Scripture sanctions the fear of the Lord, it is referring to what Eugene Peterson describes as a fear that pulls us out of our preoccupation with ourselves, our feelings, or our circumstances, into a world of wonder. Not dread, but astonishment. Not terror, but reverence. Not shaking in your boots panic, but enraptured with love fascination. That's why the Bible says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. That's why Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we get out of ourselves and recognize this disparity between who this amazing God is and who we are, we cannot help but be amazed. We cannot help but be in awe. He also says that not only will you get that, not only will you understand that, but you will also understand what is right and just and good and fair, every good path. I mean, I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to know what the right decision is. I need to know what the will of God is. I need to know how do I follow and how do I make a just decision in this. You want that? This is how you get it. This is what Solomon is communicating. The next thing is this, the so statements. So if you do this, seek wisdom, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord, you'll understand what is right and good and just and fair, so that... Three things happen. First one's found in verse 12. It says, So that you will be delivered from evil men. And then it lists what that looks like. Then in verse 16, it says, So that you will be delivered from forbidden women. And then it lists what that looks like, that that path leads to death. And then verse 20, it says, So that you will walk in the way of the good. Essentially, what this is saying is two things happen. These are the outcomes, the byproducts of getting this understanding and this wisdom that comes from God. And the byproducts, first of all, is changed relationships. Now when Proverbs here is talking about the evil man or the wayward woman, it's not just being specific like this one dude over here that's really bad, that guy, and then that wayward girl right there, okay, it'll keep you from... It's not talking about that. What it's saying is that in our relationships with both male and female, with men, with women, that we will have changed relationships. That we will make wise choices in those. That we will know how to interact with one another well. That the kinds of relationships we have will not be selfish, self-seeking kinds of relationships, but rather life-giving relationships. That we won't be preoccupied with interacting with the wrong types of people, but rather that we are pursuing relationships that further what God has called us into. So the first thing is change relationships. The second thing that it describes here in this text in verse 20 is your life changes. It says, verse 20 specifically, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. You want to know how to pursue the right things, walk the right path. The outcome, the byproduct, is because you got wisdom. I mean, Proverbs, very simple, very clear. What Solomon is saying to you and to I this morning is this. Get wisdom. 
You want to understand how to live well. You want to walk the right path. You want to follow the will of God. You want to be the kind of person that has changed relationships and a changed life. Then do whatever you can to get wisdom. And I'm persuaded we get it by asking. So today, this week, as we go, ask. Seek it. Pursue it. Want it. If we want to be a community, and I think we do, that has learning as one of the values, as one of the core things, then we have to be people that value discovery. And I'm convinced in doing that, it changes us. Let's pray.